What is the European Convention on Human Rights? Do we really need it? What's the big deal anyway? This much maligned and misunderstood convention is one of Europe's most important safeguards with far-reaching implications that protect us all. The conventions come under attack in recent years, most often from people who simply don't understand its purpose and history. Opposers see the European Convention on Human Rights and the UK's Human Rights Act as preventing them from dealing with those who are different. For example, they think that it gives citizens from other cultures, races and religions equality under the law. And they're absolutely right. It does. That's one of the things that the Convention was designed to do shortly after the end of the Second World War. In fact, when exploring the purpose of the Convention and the way that it affects us today, it's almost impossible to avoid considering the atrocities of the Holocaust, the pressure of the jackpot on occupied Europe, the treatment of disabled people or those from non-Aryan races, and the political violence of Nazism. It's no coincidence that far-right groups would like to see the UK pull out of the Convention. It outlaws discrimination on the grounds of race or religion and so prevents them from ever achieving their goals. And yet so many UK citizens oppose the Convention without realising just what they're arguing against. Perhaps most upsetting for the UK's neo-Nazi groups, the Convention guarantees freedom of marriage, respect for family life and the right to a fair trial. It makes it impossible to prosecute someone for doing something that wasn't illegal at the time they did it. For example, making immigration illegal will not criminalise current UK citizens, whatever their ethnic origin might be. Nor would it make it possible to send them home, whatever that might mean. In short, the European Convention can be thought of as a kind of antidote. If intolerance and fascism are the disease, then the Convention is at least part of the cure. Heavy-handed governments and unfair discriminatory street movements, no matter how loudly they shout, are powerless in the face of the European Convention. No wonder the UK's neo-Nazis want to pull us out of Europe. Only then, once we leave the European Union, can the UK even consider leaving the European Convention on Human Rights. If you ever wondered why so many right-wingers are happy to take the disastrous economic hit of Brexit, this is one of the reasons. It's not the only reason, but for many on the right-wing, it's the most important. If the UK is ever to abandon the European Convention on Human Rights, we must leave the European Union first. If this seems a little melodramatic, keep watching. The European Convention was, and still is, a direct response to Hitler's Third Reich and some of the worst atrocities ever committed on European soil. There's a war memorial, a cenotaph, in the middle of my hometown. It commemorates the brave men and women who lost their lives in two world wars. Carved in the granite are three simple words, lest we forget.
It seems to me that many of us have done just that. Many who understand that World War II happened don't really understand why it happened. Lest we forget. The First World War, known at the time as the Great War, ended with the defeat and utter humiliation of Germany in 1918. One former soldier, a corporal by the name of Adolf Hitler, dreamed of restoring Germany to its former glory, and he had the charismatic personality necessary to pull it off. All he had to do was unite the people behind a common cause. That cause was an old standby. It's a unifying tactic that's been used by one society or another for thousands of years, and it is effective. If you want the majority to support you, find a minority to blame. Hitler needed a scapegoat. He chose the Jews and the communists. Later, his vindictive paranoia would extend to gypsies and blacks, two equally familiar targets. But he began with the Jews. Through a protracted political process involving both elections and mob violence, Hitler manoeuvred the German state into declaring him Chancellor. From that point he was able to manipulate German state systems and the German people to realise his dream of a master race. Following Germany's eventual defeat at the end of the Second World War, the true extent of the atrocities committed by the Nazis became clear. The enslavement of the Slavs in Eastern Europe had been known already, but the extent of the atrocities in camps like Dachau and Auschwitz shocked the world, and the world responded. The charges of war crimes and crimes against humanity, such as genocide, come from Nuremberg, and are still used in international law today. The years following the war also saw the creation of the Council of Europe, a group of European countries determined to ensure that there would be no repetition of the war's atrocities. They drafted the European Convention on Human Rights. As well as defining human rights, the Convention also created the European Court of Human Rights to ensure that European citizens have a way to bring their concerns to the Council if their own countries fail to resolve them. It's intended to be a legal antidote to the Holocaust and all the other atrocities of Hitler's Third Reich. So before we start complaining about the inconvenience of holding up someone else's human rights, let's remember why they're there and what the Convention is designed to achieve, lest we forget. The European Convention on Human Rights is a legal antidote to abusive regimes from either the far right or the far left. From exploitation and slavery to discrimination and false imprisonment, the European Convention on Human Rights protects all European citizens from extremist ideology and heavy-handed government. It doesn't matter whether the regime is on the left or the right of the political spectrum. It's basic freedoms that matter, not political ideology. Principles such as the right to life, the right to privacy, and the freedom to follow one's religion are all convention principles. The principle of no punishment without law and the right to liberty and freedom of speech come from the convention too. Sexual equality and disability rights in the workplace, as well as in care and other settings, link directly back to the Convention, as do workers' rights, freedom from slavery and even from torture. 
These are just some of the safeguards that we all enjoy because of the European Convention on Human Rights. The European Convention guarantees our rights to life. That's why you can't be killed in this country, because of who you are or what you believe. Property is protected under the Convention, along with the right to a decent education, freedom from torture. Just think about the Nazi occupation across Europe, or even the brutal treatment of untried, uncharged prisoners by the Americans in the Gulf a few years ago. Many of those victims were released without charge, and yet still they endured torture and long-term confinement on the whim of an abusive regime. Freedom from servitude. Successive UK governments have attempted to introduce forms of no-work, no-eat slavery here in UK. The most recent attempt, Workfare, threatens unemployed people, many of whom have paid into the system for years before becoming unemployed, with up to six months without benefits unless they work for large organisations such as Tesco for free. Organisations that themselves command huge profits already. Ironically, Tesco even laid off regular workers in favour of this vast army of exploitable free labour. This system is currently being challenged in the European court and is likely to be overturned as a form of slavery. Liberty. The ECHR protects your liberty. You cannot be locked up without charge and you have the right to a fair hearing. Also, you can't be prosecuted for anything because of a change in the law. If it wasn't a crime when you did it, you're not a criminal after the law changes unless you do it again. Privacy. We all have the right to privacy. The government can sometimes invade that privacy, but only in certain circumstances to protect its citizens. Security forces can be granted leave to tap the phone of a suspected terrorist, but not to listen in on anyone and everyone indiscriminately. Freedom of conscience and religious expression. You have the right to your political beliefs and to your religious practice, just so long as exercising those rights don't hurt other people. This includes the right to dress as you see fit, so long as you comply with the laws on decency and don't impersonate police officers, etc. You do not have the right to inflict your religious laws on others. That's why it's so ironic that many who fear the advent of Sharia law are so keen to remove the legal framework that prevents it. Freedom of speech. We have the right to speak freely, so long as we don't break other laws. For example, we can criticise belief systems, but we can't advocate violence or discriminate against their adherents. I can criticise any religion, but I'm not allowed to suggest burning cathedrals down or deporting Methodists. Freedom of association. During World War II, the Nazis imposed strict laws on meetings of people. No group that was not authorised by the Nazi party was allowed to meet. Under the convention, groups can meet freely so long as they don't do so for the purpose of harming others. Marriage. We have no restrictions on marriage except for age and bigamy. Mixed race marriage isn't an issue under the convention. That's why neo-Nazis oppose it so much. Those who buy into the white genocide myth are terrified 
of black and white people falling in love. They think it spells the end of Aryanism, of white supremacy or white separatism. And so they oppose the protections granted by the Convention. Effective remedy. If the nation's government or any of its citizens wrong you, the European Convention exists to let you have your day in court. And many injustices have been put right as a result of the ECHR. Much of our legislation granting working people's rights and equal pay for women is a direct result from cases heard in the European Court of Human Rights, as well as recent changes to liberty and self-determination. If you want the government to keep out of your choices of decision-making, then the European Convention has a lot to offer you. The Convention also insists that we have the right to hold free elections and facilitates a system for ensuring that the electoral process is as free from corruption, intimidation and unfair practice as is possible. Freedom from discrimination. The big stumbling block for many is this one. The Convention guarantees equal rights to all citizens, including black, white, brown, yellow, Christian, atheist, Muslim, Hindu, Jew, whatever. Can you see why groups like the English Defence League, the British Freedom Party, Britain First and UKIP might be so keen for us to leave the Convention? the future. The European Convention on Human Rights is not universally popular in UK, neither is the UK's Human Rights Act. Not everyone agrees that these rights should be in place for everyone. Some argue that it's foolish to give the same rights to foreigners or to criminals, and many within the current government are vehemently opposed to any European legislation affecting what goes on within these shores. The idea is that some people are somehow special or more deserving of rights and consideration than others. I believe that history, including some very recent history throughout the West, has shown us that none of us are really safe from the abuses of those who would exploit us. The discrimination that seems to be inherent both in the benefit system and the wider job market against people within health combines to prevent them from finding work and then vilifying them for their failure to do so. It's through international intervention from both the European Court and the United Nations that these abuses are finally being addressed. Hate crime is on the increase in our country, presumably as a reaction to economic austerity. That seems to happen whenever people's livelihoods are threatened, and intolerance of all kinds seems gradually to be becoming more widespread and socially acceptable. Perhaps now more than ever before, we need the ECHR to keep the UK on track as a civilised country. A good deal of our UK employment law is based on ensuring that working conditions are reasonable and non-exploitative. It's Europe that gave us that. Without the ECHR, it would be far easier for exploitative and abusive people, especially those in positions of power and authority, to walk roughshod over the rights of citizens who already are struggling to survive in this tough economic climate. Whatever generalised, unrepresentative illustrations cynical politicians may make about illegal immigrants or loony lefties, please remember that for most of us, 
life would be far less secure and a great deal more difficult without the European Convention on Human Rights. I'm Stuart Sorensen and this is Left Eye View. If you found this little video useful in any way, please like and share. And while you're about it, if you click on the little eye icon that's on your screen right now, you can subscribe to the channel and you won't miss another video. Thanks for watching.